Welcome to Dear 20-something. I'm Erica, and I'm a 20-something social entrepreneur who is navigating the ups and downs of being in my 20s. Dear 20-something started because we wanted to create a space for ambitious and curious 20-somethings to connect with the successful woman they most look up to. While the 20s can be a time full of questions and doubts we process internally, Dear 20-something is a space where listeners can hear insights, ask questions, and ultimately get advice from the woman they most admire. Today on the show, I am so excited to be chatting with Cindy Ramirez Fulton. Cindy Ramirez Fulton is a second-generation Colombian-American who grew up watching her mother treat patients in her cosmetology spas in Queens and Manhattan, not knowing one day she would reflect on that experience to launch a new self-care movement. After recognizing the lack of affordable, aspirational spa services in New York City, Cindy, along with her husband and a team of partners, opened Chill House with a goal to modernize the spa industry and become an authority in self-care. Cindy mainly noticed a gap between the more antiquated traditional spas and the -the on-the-go modern millennial, fueling her Chill House empire and earning her the title Queen of Chill. Chill House, the team sought out to provide easy, attainably priced, tried-and-true services to stressed-out New Yorkers in a modern setting, ensuring Chill House was a place with something for everyone. Chill House has grown into a shiny example of what a new-age spa can be, with the mission of easing you into the deepest form of self-care through trendy, updated services and a wellness cafe. Chill House's concept resonated widely, making it the go-to online and physical destination to find your chill. Along with its chic Soho flagship, Chill House creates self-care rituals for chill seekers everywhere through their line of clean beauty and wellness products, including press-on nails, which are my personal favorite, face and body oils, candles, and more aimed at maximizing your me time. I can't wait to chat with her and share her story with you now on Dear 20-something. Please welcome Cindy Ramirez Fulton. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Erica. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to Fireside. Thank you for having me. This is very like cutting edge technology that I'm experiencing right now. (laughs) I know. It's very exciting. It's the best way I like to describe it, or at least the Fireside team likes to describe it, is there. it's similar to like SNL where you have like an in-studio audience and then you like broadcast it live. So people are streaming from their desktops or phones and then you've got the content afterwards, the clips after. Well, thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to dive in. We like to start every show before we get into your 20s. We do like to start the show with a fun question. So what is something new that you learned this past week? It can be maybe a business you're excited about, an interesting fact you learned, maybe from a book or an article or a conversation you had, but something new that you learned in the past week? Oof, God, that's a really hard question. You know, when you find those little things that you like just discover for the first time, I feel like those really stand out to you. And like, I haven't really had much of that this week per se. Maybe it's because it's too early in the week to tell. (laughs) And it's the holiday week. So I don't really have like a great answer other than just like, I just discovered it's going to be 50 degrees in LA when I'm there next week and I'm not really happy about it. So is that something? Oh, no. That is definitely something. We've had a wide range of answers. You're there, right? So... I am here. We've just so you know, we've had people say something as simple as like I learned how to make rice not in a microwavable packet to like this profound quote from a book. So it totally ranges. Weather in LA qualifies as definitely something new. That's new to me. Yeah, I'm I'm looking outside right now. I see lots of clouds. It's getting dark. 
So if the 50 degrees sounds right. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, but maybe it'll warm up. I don't know. Probably is better than New York. That's where you are right now, right? Yeah, but it hasn't been too bad here. It sounds like we're like almost the same. Yeah, it's like 50 degrees today. <laughs> Whatever. It's nice to get out. You know, I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm very excited to have a change of scenery soon. So I'll be on your coast next week sometime. That's very exciting. I will say even just being on the beach, it can, even if it's not warm outside, it still feels very relaxing and very enjoyable. So I think even if the weather isn't cooperating, I am biased, but you've got lots of great things in LA. I'm sure you'll have an awesome time. Yeah, I I fully agree. I'm not worried at all. Awesome. What are you doing in LA? We decided a few months ago to just kind of go for it and and split our time between LA and Miami just for the month of January while things are still kind of like up in the air when it comes to, you know, work from home. So we just decided to kind of do it. My husband and I have always dreamt of really like taking January to be somewhere outside of New York City and just like explore other cities like for a longer stretch of time. We obviously bounce around those two cities a lot because we have friends there and aspirations to open up businesses there. So we're definitely kind of bi-coastal in, in our dream is to maybe be bi-coastal one day. So we, we've always wanted to be out there for like a long stretch of time. And I think this is like kind of our last chance to do so. So we just kind of went for it. I love that. Yeah, January is the perfect time to be here. And I feel like to get away from the the New York cold, I know you're coming to some cold here, but hopefully in a couple of weeks, it'll warm up for sure. And it's nice that, you know, as an entrepreneur, you get to dictate where you live, you know, and that like, as the CEO, you're the one that says, hey, if I want to be in LA, I want to be in LA, which is very, very nice. Yeah. It's nice to not have like the looming guilt as much anymore. Where in the past, we've definitely been like, oh, we we can't leave. Like I feel guilty having people work in an office setting every day. And then like us kind of being, you know, work from home wherever we are. But, you know, I, I definitely don't, see ourselves ever going back to like full time nine to five, or I guess for us, it's 10 to six in an office setting. It's more so I do feel like we need a hub and, and we we want to all kind of go back to some sense of like routine and normalcy. So we'll, we'll go back to that, but not like full throttle five days a week. I, I, I do feel like there needs to be some sort of balance there. And I, I'm all about being able to kind of escape on a Friday, you know, early afternoon sort of thing. Like I like being able to have that flexibility. So if I'm going to be on that side of things, then of course I have to kind of allow my team to be able to be on that side of things sometimes too. We're working towards that and seeing how it goes, I guess, with this trip. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so nice that you're the one that gets to dictate that. And, you know, you can try new things because like you said, you know, your business is still expanding and you can set these rules now that'll hopefully really benefit you guys in the years to come. So we're going to take it back to the beginning. I'm really excited to dive in. We hinted at it a little bit in the intro that we shared, but I'd love to know when you were younger, what did you want to be when you grew up? I didn't have a single clue, to be honest, because I didn't think I was really good at anything. And I think that's the issue with entrepreneurship in general. Like You're kind of good at a lot of things or you have a passion and you kind of go off and pursue it. But it's not until you really are passionate about something that you necessarily become good at it per se. So it took me a really long time to figure out what it was I wanted to be. And I think back in the day, I mean, I'm 36, I'm going to on to be 37 next year. So I'm creeping up, you know, and and so I grew up like 90s, 2000s, early 2000s. That's like my generation. Entrepreneurship looked very different. You know, we didn't have like 
cool female entrepreneurs to look up to. And, and with my upbringing in general, it looked extremely different than maybe others. I, you know, I was first generation Colombian American. My mom came here from Colombia and like just started very grassroots, super small, tiny little space and kind of started one client at a time and grew her business from there. So my idea of entrepreneurship was very like immigrant owned, small kind of like New York small business, which is great. But it wasn't exactly like the most aspirational thing to watch. You know, it was it was a hustle. It was a struggle. So I never really knew that I wanted to be that because I, I, I wanted, I maybe had aspirations to do bigger and better things at the time. And I didn't see entrepreneurship as being something that like was reflective of that American dream for me, at least. Obviously, as time goes on and you see that things change, you're like, wow. And so I... I think much later on in my, I want to say in like my mid twenties is when I really started to realize that that was kind of my calling. I grew up in Queens and then I moved to the city when I was still pretty young. So like 17 years old, I dove immediately into hospitality and I started working in like nightlife and kind of like the restaurant and nightlife scene and between like bartending gigs and hosting and all sorts of stuff. But it wasn't until much later that I realized that that wasn't what I really wanted to do. Like I think I wanted to have my experience kind of bleed into my future career, but I I, I didn't really know how to like merge the two, if that makes sense. And then I want to say that one of the biggest like tipping points in like my career was when I realized that there was this like upsurge in like blogging, right? There was this new influx of like fashion bloggers that were just seeing for the first time, like people posting pictures of themselves on the internet. And I was like, Oh, like I have good style. I went to a fashion college. My degree was in fashion marketing, or I was trying to get my degree in fashion marketing. And so like I enjoyed fashion and I enjoyed hospitality because those were the two worlds that I was living in in my 20s. And then I started to think maybe there was a way to kind of mix the two and and see if I can like start blogging and like kind of combining both forces. And so in my early 20s, I kind of just started doing that. This was like pre-infatuation, pre like any sort of media site that like Refinery29, like any of those. And I just had fun with it. And it was like nothing fancy, nothing. It wasn't even good quality content by any means, but I was young and it was like, the first thing I was actually passionate about. So that was my first like foray, I guess, into a taste of entrepreneurship, you know, like doing something for myself where I had a voice and I had my own aesthetic and I had my own like pursuit in that project. And then I kind of just let that go because it wasn't producing any income for me by any means. It was just like a little passion project. And time went on and I kind of tabled that. But then fast forward many years later, I think I just went back to entrepreneurship after having this this one career that really kind of changed the trajectory of my life in a way. And it was kind of coincidentally, it was kind of centered around entrepreneurship. And so I was working for a fashion tech startup consultancy. I know that sounds like a mouthful, but I was essentially helping the founder with kind of like all the holes in with all these different startups, like filling in the holes for all these different startups. So people will come to us from many different backgrounds. Let's say two men that worked in finance really had this 
clever idea for a fashion startup. I had no idea what the fashion industry was like. We would kind of help them fill in those gaps where they needed. And then kind of on the other, on the flip side, like two women that come from fashion, this sounds very cliche, but at the time it kind of was. Women that came from fashion that didn't really have like a background in technology. My founder kind of had that background and expertise. So we helped them kind of match bake with their like CTOs and things like that. So it was kind of this crash course in entrepreneurship. And it obviously taught me a lot, but it also made me realize I really liked the beginning process of entrepreneurship. And that made it exciting for me to go off and start thinking about ways that I can do my own thing one day. And so when I left that company, it was kind of like a no-brainer. I had a couple like forks in the road where I can go and, and do like a traditional sort of nine to five. And then one day I just kind of went, Eh, screw it. Like, I'm just going to go for it. And I kind of revived the original blog that I had mentioned earlier, uh, Taste of Style, and kind of did that. And then I also had like a little influencer agency on the side back before influencers were even a thing, like early, early Instagram days. So that was kind of where I realized that was my calling. And then, you know, fast forward many years to now bringing it back sort of full circle. I've, you know, created Chill House, which is basically modernizing my mom's business. So it's a long winded backstory. But reflecting on it is really interesting, because it was kind of in front of me the whole time. And it took me just a while to build up to be able to get to this point, just through like trial and error and experience and all that. Wow, that is so fascinating. Thank you for walking us through all that. That was a great overview for us as we continue to chat through your 20s and kind of understand how it's evolved. And I love how you talk about it really did come full circle because now you've modernized a lot of what your mom did. What I find really interesting is you've obviously had all these entrepreneurial projects throughout your 20s, right? And you've had so many different things, but you say that when you look at your mom and her store, it wasn't idolized. And so it's interesting that you decided to kind of go down that path of being your own boss and having so many projects when you grew up with seeing it and didn't really fall in love with it at the time. Would you mind telling me a little bit about like, what your mom taught you and what you did idolize about what she did that you then carried into your, you know, all your projects, which we'll, we'll keep chatting about. I mean, I've always aspired to be as passionate as my mom. I think she just is such a strong woman that everybody respects. I mean, there's not a single person that I know that doesn't have like the utmost respect for my mother. So I think I take a lot from that and like bringing that energy with me into every room that I walk into and, and making sure people do understand like, I'm never intimidating. And that's the other thing that like my mom is never intimidating, but she still holds the respect of the people in the room because ultimately they are working for her. So I've definitely always admired that about her, but it's just a very different business. She came here from Colombia. She is not great at the English language. And so, and obviously I was born here. So I'm like, I'm American, you know, I'm obviously Colombian American, but I've always kind of resisted fully leaning into my heritage because I was like, I can do more. I can cater to both. I can cater to everyone. It's not just about the Latin American community. So I immediately was like, no, like, that's just not who I am. That's not what I do. Like I'm, I grew up in, in Queens, like we're a melting pot. I cater to everyone. Therefore, yeah, there was always this little kind of like pushback. I was like, this isn't like the business for me. I don't want to like one day have to operate this. Like I'm probably going to go off and do my own thing one day. But I would help her. And like, obviously, I, I, I love the beauty industry in general. I love 
the concept of making people feel good when they leave the room, making people feel more beautiful and all that. But I also kind of growing up also in the city, like in nightlife, I was surrounded by vanity. And I wasn't really surrounded by self-care and wellness the way that I would have wanted to. So I think that's what I really sought after was this place that I can really let go and relax and not feel judged and not feel like guilty because I was splurging on myself. And like, that's really the precipice of Chill House was it's not like your traditional sort of like when you think of a wellness brand, maybe like six, seven years ago, you're like, oh, goop, right? It's like, it's kind of whitewash and it's like very like blonde and like airy and like hippie and like that's all great. Like I love, I have like the utmost respect for all of those brands too, but it just wasn't me. And especially it wasn't me at the time. And I just felt like there was something really missing. And that's why I think I reflect back sometimes on the days that I would be at my mom's salons and I'd be just like bored. There was no ambiance. I don't want to like trash talk my mom's business because I think she's done an amazing job so far. But you know, there was an ambiance. The decor was like just pretty simple. Like she didn't really decorate it how I would decorate it. So, you know, you're watching your parents, you're like, I could do it better, you know, but like you also don't know how to do it better (laughs) until you kind of learn how to do it better. And it's not like I was trying to perfect my mom's business. I think they're, they're just very different. But I realized I wanted to do something in that realm in some capacity because it was there was something missing from my upbringing. And I just kind of went for it. That's so fascinating to hear you explain like how your mom's store had an impact on you. And it sounds like, I mean, one of the main things that you're sharing is you've really built a brand with Chill House. You built a brand with your style blog, which we'll get into. And, you know, your mom had this beautiful shop, but it didn't have like that brand. It didn't make you feel the way that you wanted to feel when you entered into a wellness cafe. And so I think one thing that, you know, we've seen throughout all the different, you know, career paths you've had is every project you have has such a clear brand and you're really trying to make people feel a certain way. And I think that's what's, you know, been fascinating when I, you know, learn about your trajectory. So I think the first big career move, I know it's blogging, you know, it's arguably not, maybe you said you weren't making so much money, but it is a huge project. And it is something that was obviously, you know, very important for you was your blog. Could you tell me a little bit more about how you got into it? I know you did that in your early 20s. And like you said before, infatuation, before all those blogs. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you learned from that experience and and what was the purpose of the blog? Who were you trying to speak to and how you enjoyed it? Yeah, I mean, there are times that I wish I could kind of bring it back. And it's funny because I think I'm so rooted in New York culture and like hospitality that I still get DMs. I swear to God, like every few days, people asking me where they should go when they're (laughs) coming in from out of town. And I'd love to be able to offer that on demand at all times, obviously. But I'm always like, "Uh, here, check out my highlights. (laughs) I was just really infatuated. Speaking of infatuation, I was really infatuated with the hospitality industry at a young age. When I tell you all of my... I was making a really good living working in hospitality and like spending all of that money back into the industry. And so I just, I've always enjoyed the experience of going out and and going out to a nice dinner and going out to a good bar and being immersed in like a different experience every night. I mean, that's why we live in New York, right? That's why you come to New York. It's not really just to sit in your like tiny little studio. It's, It's to experience New York. And I grew up like really loving the kind of glamorizing it in a way and romanticizing it. And I thought that 
I couldn't just have been the only girl in New York that felt that way. So when I started the blog when I was like 21 or something like that, it had a really small readership. It was thoughtful. It was like very much just the places that I wanted to discover. I was living in the East Village at the time. So obviously the East Village has an amazing food and bev scene. I mean, incredible restaurants, incredible bars. And at the time, even like even more so I felt. So I was kind of just walking people through the places that I would go on the days that I wasn't working. And it, it, you know, had like, again, small readership. But then I think many years later, when I was trying to figure out my next move, my husband, then boyfriend was like, you really should pick Taste of Style back up. Like I was one of your loyal readers. I'm like, oh, you were one of like the 30 people that read it. Cool. Like, yeah, maybe (laughs) there's something there. Good boyfriend. He's a good boyfriend. Very supportive. Right. He was so supportive. And like, he was right though. He realized that there was, again, something missing in the New York space. Like from like a female perspective, a girl with good style, like where do we go? Where do we hang out? What kind of restaurants do we check out? And like, who, and then like, even furthermore, who are the people behind these restaurants? How do we get to know them? How do we put them, you know, on a site and really like explore their passions and, and put them out there? So it kind of became like a little bit of a style blog mixed in with like where I'm going that night, you know, like here are my outfits, but then like, here is like where I want to eat or like, here's a restaurant and here's how you should dress for that restaurant. So really like simple, like back in the day, like shop style, affiliate links, that kind of thing. And then it just builds up from there. I kind of wanted to take my face off of it a little bit. I I didn't always feel like a traditional blogger type where I would... I mean, I still like look posting pictures of myself, right? Like you feel cute, you want to post pictures of yourself. But I just wanted to kind of get away from that being like just like the only person affiliated to Taste of Style. So I started bringing on contributors, writers. And then I started these series and all these series were like just super fun ways to kind of keep consistency on the site. So we had something called Boss Babes and that would go up like every Monday and it would highlight like a woman that I was girl crushing on that had a business. And that person would range from like some pretty big names to like, you know, the chef at my local restaurant. It was very, it kind of ran the gamut. And it was just a really good way of getting to meet some really incredible women that I'm friends with till this day. And I credit that series in itself to opening up so many doors for me because I like, like you, I gave women a platform at a time that there weren't like a trillion blogs or a trillion podcasts. And at a time that they were at an inflection point in their careers where they got really excited to hear from, you know, an up and coming blog that was going to take beautiful pictures of them, you know, and create beautiful content around their story. And so that's kind of one of the the things that we did. And, and there were many other series that we had on the site, but it gained a, like a little bit of traction and people were really into it. And they got to discover New York from a new lens and, and discover some really cool entrepreneurs and, and businesses. And, and that's, it took like a bit of a, not a detour, but it just became just more of like a lifestyle blog after I realized that it wasn't just about hospitality at that point. It was about just the people. So people were really, that was a, a huge part of the blog. It was all about featuring really unique individuals and and getting to share their story, much like what you're doing. Well, that's very sweet. I appreciate you saying that. I mean, I think we hear about blogs and affiliate links and content creation now because it's so normalized. But I think if you really think about when you were doing this, you were 
very early, you know, and I think that's something too, that you've like spotted trends and you've modernized things before a lot of people, which I think is really fascinating about your story. One thing I am curious about from a logistical standpoint, because it's very real in your twenties, you got to pay the bills, you got to go day to day. And I think a lot of our listeners have these passion projects might not be the size of what you ended up building with, you know, taste of style, but they are discovering their passions for fashion or for food or for people, but they have to make ends meet during the day, or they have to try to monetize their passion project. Can you tell me a little bit more about that time and how you're able to balance both? And if you were able to monetize taste of style and, and maybe some advice you have for a 20 something that has a passion project that they really are loving and maybe are growing but aren't sure how to pay the bills. Absolutely. I mean, I <laughs> bartending, I was working in hospitality and nightlife until I was about 26. And I really only quit that because I had a full-time job. And then even afterwards, it was very much like I had to have two businesses at the time in order to make ends meet. And I was my husband was supportive and like, some months I, I was like, I can't help contribute towards rent. And, you know, we made it work. I mean, I was like on the other side, we always joke. I'm like, all right, of course you ended up blowing me out of the water in like our careers at some point. <laughs> but like, you know, in the early days, he was an entrepreneur and I was waitressing and bartending and I was kind of supporting us at some point. So, you know, it's gone kind of gone back and forth at times, but I credit a huge part of being able to kind of balance it all and like just being able to work in the evening. So daytime was all about figuring out what my full-time career was going to be and, and kind of working and striving towards that. And nighttime was about doing the job that pays the bills. And yeah, I think once you get a little bit of traction in your job and whatever it is that you're building, I think that's when it's time to go off and monetize it. I know in media, it's it's really hard to to get to the point where you can go after you know branded content. And oftentimes, it's really like when the time is right, it's when the, the opportunities start kind of start coming to you. And that's when I realized, oh, okay, I guess it's time. And it was really just like, I had the most random people land in my inbox. Like I think my first branded partnership was like some pretty like medium-sized t-shirt company. Like I don't even remember the name. I don't remember how much they gave me. It, it may have been somewhere from like $500 to $800. It wasn't a lot, but it was like, it was a big deal to me. And it was like still kind of early on. It was maybe like a year into my blog. And I was like, oh my God, I've made it. Like I'm doing this. And then you kind of start getting a, gaining a little confidence, right? Those like small little deals like turn into bigger deals. And then you create a little deck and you're like, okay, like anytime somebody does outreach, this is what it is. And then maybe I connect with someone who knows someone at a brand and they, they put us in touch and we create something custom for them. And I sell them on a really beautiful dream content story. And so that's kind of how it built up. It wasn't like overnight I was getting like insane deals. And even until my last couple of years of it being around, I couldn't support myself solely on that. I was definitely doing a hybrid of, of entrepreneur related jobs. So, you know, media is a tough game in general, as I'm sure you've kind of experienced in some way. And especially back then when like the marketing dollars weren't always going to blogs like mine, they were going towards like big sites with big numbers 
or like, you know, the early adopter Instagram girls. I was kind of like somewhere in the middle there. And so it was, it was tough, but you know, you just kind of make it work. You do the job that pays the bills. And then one day you don't have to. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that and for being so transparent because I think that's an important piece. And, but it serves such a valuable role in your life, like you said, because it was slowly growing. You were gaining confidence. You were figuring out what you liked, right? Like it was a passion project at the end of the day, which I think is so valuable for someone who said that they didn't really know what they were loving when they were doing these, you know, different bar jobs and hospitality jobs. It sounds like this was really that first light bulb where you were like, oh, I'm good at this and I like it. So can you walk me through what happened between Taste the Style ending? and chill house starting and then your idea for actually going all in on chill house and you know what chill house is yeah so what was interesting about that whole transition is that this is like almost five years ago now because we're entering our five year in march of 2022 so i kind of remember this vividly where around the time that i was starting to launch chill house it was obviously the later side of me having to style and I had a manager and it was like the first time that I was like, oh my God, I have a manager managing my partnerships. Like it's kind of a big deal, right? Like when you can say someone is helping you with all the, the back and forth negotiations of all of these brand partnerships. And at the time it was like taste of style, but then also my personal Instagram and all of that. And she was helping me with that. But then the second I opened the doors of Chill House that's when even I like tripled the amount of inbound interest in working with me because I had a brick and mortar store. And I think that people didn't realize, or when I say people, I mean brands, they didn't realize that my blog was my blog and my chill house was a very separate business that had investors that had other motives. And like, it wasn't, I wasn't trying to be like a brand partnership sort of company. Like that wasn't in our PLs, you know, that wasn't in like our modeling financial models. And I don't think people brands realize that, but they still came and they still wanted to work with me and chill house, but then they also wanted content. So it was kind of interesting at that time. I was like, all right, I guess obviously I'm not going to turn down money right now. So let's make it work. And we would do these partnerships in the store, but then also I would cover them on Taste of Style. And that went on for about eight months or so until it became really muddy. And I just, it didn't make sense. You know, I was like trying to run this wellness company, but at the same time, I had all these brands that wanted to also have me publish stuff on a site that was originally about hospitality and food and beverage and alcohol. And like, you know, it, there were two different worlds. And I was trying to live in both worlds. And at some point, I was like, I have to choose one world. So I basically decided to kind of pull the plug on it. But instead of just fully like shutting it down, I ended up turning Taste of Style URL into the Chill Times. And the Chill Times became our editorial site for Chill House. And we ran that for a few years. So basically, that lived for about three and a half years, almost. Yeah, like three and a half years or so. We put it on pause last year due to COVID and just we had a lot of shifts happening within the company. So, but that's always something I want to like bring back because I do feel like content is such a key part to storytelling and being able to kind of add value and, and give people something else to consume other than just like 
buy my tips, come in for product, come in for <laughs> services and things like that. I, I do want to get back to that. And it, I'm very passionate about content. And I feel like I've kind of let it go. It's like slipped through my fingers recently a little bit. And I'm kind of craving to bring that back. So I'm a full proponent of content is not dead. And like, it's so important to keep people reading and dreaming and, you know, learning. So that's where Taste of Style went. It's like a fun fact. I don't know if many people know that, but it's it's basically the chill times now. If you type in Taste of Style, it'll, it'll probably take you to the chill times, I hope. That's the whole point. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think, I mean, and I know you've actually talked a lot about personal brand. And so we'll get into that. But talk about having a personal brand that's so strong that you can completely convert years of building a blog into your next venture that are different and have people stay and be excited and enthusiastic. And I think that's a testament to you because, you know, taste of style and chill times are different. You know, there's overlap because you're involved and, but they are in different industries. And I think that's pretty incredible that you were able to, you know, convert that readership and, and switch it over into this next evolution of you. It wasn't easy. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. Can you tell me a little bit more? Yeah, like you said, if it wasn't easy, can you tell me a little bit more about that transition? And then also like your philosophy on personal branding? Because you've talked kind of talked about how you had this Instagram manager and obviously, you know, on social media now, you have such a strong personal brand and hearing about Taste of Style and knowing now about Chill House, it all fits. So could you talk a little bit about that transition from, you know, the, the not easy piece of transitioning Taste of Style to Chill Times and then the personal branding piece as well? I think... You know, there was a time where I felt like it was a very confusing hybrid of projects, right? Like being able to come out of having this blog that really was about living life and indulging and like eating and drinking out and like splurging on like fashion and clothing and things like that. So it was very much like how to live your best life. But I do feel like Chill House is very similar to that. However, it is in the wellness space and it is about taking care of yourself and health and and mental health and all these elements of bettering your yourself, your body, your physical appearance, all of it. So they were kind of, I mean, at the end of the day though, it is lifestyle. So I, if I really had to, I don't know, put it on a piece of paper, like solidify it. At the core, I am a lifestyle entrepreneur. I'm not a wellness entrepreneur. I'm not a beauty entrepreneur. I am a lifestyle entrepreneur. And my whole thing is to, I want to create things that make people feel better in their day-to-day life. That's really it. And five years ago, I was craving something in wellness. 10 years ago, I could be in a totally different world. I don't know. And that's what I've always wanted to keep open and like being able to share my life openly between just what I do on my day-to-day when I'm not working, sharing my baby, sharing my relationship, sharing like the clothes I wear, the shoes I love, the makeup I love, like all of that, I think, well, I think a lot of us do that. I think having a purpose behind it is really important. So in my purpose being, I think is that, yeah, I just truly just want to create things that make people feel better on a day-to-day basis. I can feel very differently. 10 years, I can be like, wow, I want to go full philanthropy. I don't know, right? Like I'm taking it day by day. Right now, I feel like I'm in a great place in my career. I'm very passionate about what we're doing at Chill House. I'm passionate about also being able to support my husband's businesses. We own bars and restaurants and I'm fully involved in all of those too. I'm very transparent with my team. Like I'm doing this today. Like I'm helping the guys figure out their food menu or I'm I'm, I'm at a 
a cocktail tasting <laughs> and not feel guilty about it. And I think that's okay. And I think it's it's fully okay for entrepreneurs or even people, entrepreneurs, people that work for like their lives are, they're like career obsessed. I think it's super important for them to think about what else they're obsessed about that isn't necessarily related to work. Because at the end of the day, I'm so passionate about all of these things that they become work because I enjoy them and I do them daily that they're, it's like, why wouldn't I turn them into something that I can monetize off? But it shouldn't start off that way, right? You should just enjoy the things that you enjoy. And then if they take you into a place of actually like pursuing a job, pursuing a career, that's the ultimate joyful entrepreneur right there. Yeah, no, that's such a great point. And I appreciate you explaining to this through line of being a lifestyle entrepreneur and that's how you identify. So even as you go off and do these other ventures, it all ties back to that core purpose. And I think it's it's hard to find that when you're young. And I think it takes like lots of experiences that one's in fashion, one's in wellness, but they're all having to do with making you feel good about yourself and good about your body. And then you can kind of start to see the through lines. I would love to get some of your advice on maybe 20 somethings who want to start a business. I know you just mentioned, maybe it's better to start with like a passion project and see if it evolves. But if someone has an idea for a business, they're in their 20s, which obviously, you know, you started lots of projects and businesses in your 20s. What is the advice that you would give them? I think it's it, just so you know, it's 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 rare for us on the show. We've had we've interviewed lots of people, and typically they start things later. And I think it's really cool to see that you've done it in your twenties and that you've started all these projects. So, can you share a little bit about your advice specifically for entrepreneurs and people who have an idea or a project they want to get off the ground? I think it's important to follow people that you find to be like their stories are inspiring and all of that. And I think I definitely had a lot of that in my mid to late 20s. And that served me well. But I think there was I kind of grew up my journey has been kind of surrounded by people that are just like always 10 steps ahead of me. And I've always kind of resisted to just compare. It's always like you want to aspire but not fully compare because you can't possibly compare yourself to someone else's journey. Like I, I want to always remind myself that my journey is mine. And like, here I am sharing my story. And hopefully somebody can listen to that and be like, wow, like her story is like, I used this word earlier, but it is very grassroots. And it, it is very like small stepping stones, small building blocks. Whereas like, you know, I think you could get into this little entrepreneur. Or s- s- I don't even know how to explain it, but like you get sucked in sometimes when you're trying to build a company in this like business, like startup world where you're just constantly comparing your beginnings with someone else's that has now become like a mega entrepreneur, a mega business owner. And that's not always what it is. And I think we have to keep reminding ourselves that everybody is on their own path. And like, it's totally okay to start something that isn't well branded, that isn't, you know, isn't well designed is like still that takes three years to actually create. Like I know people that worked really, really hard to start something and then they ended up not even starting it. Like because maybe it didn't work out for whatever reason. And I think, again, it's it's all okay. So I for anyone to ever feel defeated because they see someone else that's so like just crushing it, right? Like we're always seeing people sharing the highlight reel, right? We say this word loosely all the time because it's true. And I, I'm 
definitely a part of that. But it's only recent because I feel like recently it's been like, things went well for me for a while. And like, wow, look at me, like I have kind of an innovative business and like things, you know, were out there and people were featuring me. But that's not always what it is, you know, on the in the back end, like I've gone through so many headaches, so many like stressful situations that I didn't even know if I was going to have a chill house the next day, you know, and those are the moments that everyone not needs to see because I would never want anyone to be discouraged to do something, but those should be shared more. <laughs> they should, we should all be more open about those experiences because that's what people are going to go through mostly. The highlights are so exciting and it's what you put out the most, but it's really the dark days that make you question everything and it's important to be able to talk about them. And so I, I don't want anyone to get discouraged, but I do feel like it's, it's okay to, know that that's going to happen to you. And like, you just have to push through because we've all been there. Absolutely. And I mean, you've perfectly explained like why we even started this show, you know, because like someone like you, you know, on a personal note, I've always, I thought you built something so amazing with Chill House. I heard about Chill House several years ago and I have just, you know, aspired. I thought she, what she's doing is really amazing. And now we're chatting and I've learned more about your story. And like, you're a human being who didn't always know Chill House was going to be this big hit. And you had ups and downs and even Chill House I'm sure with COVID, you know, there have been ups and downs. And I think that's why we wanted to start this show is to chat with people like you who, you know, have built things, but it wasn't a straight line. And I think especially in your 20s, it's very rare that people have it all figured out. And, you know, you said even now, like, you know, you're 36 and you're still figuring it out. And I think that is a lot of why we do this show is to try to, you know, chat with people like you and and show that like, hey, we don't all have it figured out. So I appreciate you saying that. And, and I that message really resonates with me just because that's something I, I personally care about. I know you gave some advice for entrepreneurs, of course, but if there was one piece of advice, aspire, not compare, that's a great gem. But is there something else that you would say to all 20-somethings, regardless of career, maybe they have no clue what career they want to get into, but what is that one piece of advice that you would give to all 20-somethings? I think it, a lot of your career and success comes from just your relationships. I kind of touched on it really quickly with like the boss babes saga and like how I really feel like that helped me connect with women that I really admired. I think everyone in your immediate circle is someone that you can gain from and that you can also help. And I think it's really important to think of relationships that way and not just be like, oh, this person has nothing to offer me. So therefore, I'm not going to even care to talk to them, right? Like, I mean, I know we can't always just be on at meetings all day long. Like, that'd be really fun. But I do think there is something to be said about staying really close to that intern that you hired. I can't tell you, all of my interns are such badasses. They're like, they're crushing it. I have a girl that works at Instagram. I've had like, just like the biggest companies in the world. They're all like working at them right now. And it's, it's just, had I have had a crappy relationship with them, they would have like been like, screw you, (laughs) you know? And I think just that is such a big part of career building is just maintaining relationships and and making sure that you keep in touch with people that like did so much for you and and off, always like be able to kind of offer and pass on that support however you can and so always keeping that in mind no matter what no matter what stage of the game is you're in like it always applies 
Yeah, that's such great advice. I actually, it's so funny you say that because I was listening to a podcast and the founder of Gold was on Trinity and she was talking about how she got her start working with you at Chill House and how that relationship was so important for her. And she, you know, she had a similar thing to say about relationships and how actually your relationship with her has helped her so much. And obviously now she runs this awesome other, you know, wellness company. So it's great to hear that, you know, I, that's actually been shared a lot about you too. Well, Cindy, this has been so fun. I can't thank you enough for spending time with us and telling us a little bit more about your 20s. I'm going to see, I think we have time maybe just for one question if the audience has one. See, go ahead. Thank you. Well, what an inspiration. That was just fabulous. It's wonderful to hear that you've been such a great mentor to so many people. But I bet you notice personalities and some of your people, like you said, go off to Instagram. You know, then they're still employed. Whereas it sounds like your thread for many years has been to be your own boss. And have you noticed personality differences between those people that you've mentored who go off to be employed versus people maybe like you that just want to really be their own boss and are willing to have the grit and the wherewithal, the courage really that it takes to be your own boss and start your own thing? That's such a good question. I've never been asked that before. I mean, a lot of the girls that I've had either interned for me or were like very early stage, you know, they're still very early in their careers. So I think that's why they just want to get like a couple more years under their belt before they maybe do their own thing. So it's, it's maybe too soon to tell for some of them. But with Trinity, for example, I hired her because I wanted basically like another partner. Or at the time I was like, I need someone that's like my right hand or like Adam's right hand, just someone that I can really trust with the brand, the company, with everything. And she had that. But I didn't realize at the time, and I'm sure she'd be okay with me talking about this because we've like openly talked about how I actually let her go. And that was because at the time, I really just needed a general manager. You know, I needed someone that like just did the job and like had the experience in that particular field, which is the spa industry, which is a very specific industry to know and, and all that. And she didn't have that experience, but she had just like a great intuition, super smart, quick, like everything that I feel like I lacked, she had, but also she was just very entrepreneurial. And she had this company gold at the, on the side and she was like very excited about it. And I was like, let's stock it in the cafe. And she just slowly started to build that company on the side. And like, I knew she was still getting her work done and it was all cool. But there came to be a point where I was like, I think I just hired you because you're an amazing like entrepreneur. Like you need to go off and do that. Like you really do need to go and really like just dive in full time with this. I think you'll do, you'll do great. And, you know, I mean, fast forward years later, like she's crushing it. I'm blown away by her success and I, I don't even know that I have anything to do with it. I think I just, I hire really well. I hire people that like I'm excited to be close to. So the main difference, I think it's, it's a little soon to tell for some girls. Like I think a lot of them may end up being like, oh, I'm just going to do my own thing. But Trinity was right at that point where I was like, you know, she just needs to see how, how it is, like how the beginning stages are. And then I think she's going to go off and do some, some big things. I don't know if that answers your question fully, but I think that's the main thing. I think it's really just finding someone that's like at the, that like tipping point where they're like, their passion is like, is like just right at the surface. Absolutely. Yeah. It sounds like Trinity is a great example of that. And like you said, it'll be interesting to see how all your chill house interns and employees evolve. I think that must be so fun to have 
that close relationship with them and then, you know, see them build their careers. I can only imagine that's really exciting. All righty. Well, Cindy, thank you so much. This has been so fun for me. Can you please let everyone know where they can follow you on social media and then along where they can find Chill House if they want to go? And then also a little bit more about your chill tips. I have heard that you guys are continuously launching new styles and they've been taking off. So can you tell us a little bit more about that too? Oh, yeah. I mean, so much to come. We're launching maybe 16 styles in the first quarter. So lots of chill tip newness on its way. Also new products on the way. A big, big, big project, like a, I guess I could say this, like a physical project, I could say sometime next year. I can't say exactly when because, you know, timelines always change. So lots of really exciting stuff. I think people will be hopefully excited to see what's what's next. And um, you can follow us at chillhouse.com, me at Cindy, C-Y-N-D-I Ramirez. And that's kind of it. Perfect. Yeah, it's really been fun to watch just as an outsider watching Chilt explode because I'm now a press on nails fanatic, I have to say. Like, I can't go back. And there's something with like, you know, like tie-dye nails and marble nails and squiggly lines that look perfect. It's You can't get those affordably at a nail salon and they're not going to do it well. So I'm a big fan. Chill tips, guys. They're, they're amazing press-on nails. Personal testimonial. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Of course. Well, thank you again, Cindy, for coming on. If you guys enjoyed this conversation, please give us a follow over at Dear Doing Something on Instagram and subscribe, rate, review anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks, everyone. Have a great night. Thank you, Erica. Have a good one. Bye, everyone.